0: Hello affiliate listeners. We are here at Affiliate Summit West and man, like I just have to tell you the interview that we had with Cossum with Solutions 8 was possibly the craziest and most fun and amazing podcast interview. I've ever done. I I, My mind was blown away, not only once, but twice, three times, and only we laugh and make jokes, but he was dropping bombs. I've never heard people say before, but it blew my mind because it was some of the most impactful and amazing marketing knowledge I've heard in, I don't know, four years. It was insane. You have to give it a listen and seriously listen to it again and again and again. I kind of feel like this might become the best podcast that you've ever listened to because it felt like the best thing I'd ever heard. Please join it because if there's only one podcast of ours that you ever listen to, it should probably be this one. So jump in, I'll stop talking so you can start listening to somebody that will say some much cooler things. Hello everyone, here we are at ASW doing a podcast in this pretty awesome suite up here, staring at the Beatles across the way, and I have Kasim with me, and we're going to be talking about some pretty freaking cool stuff. Be aware, Kasim and I have both been up since four in the morning, and we might be a bit fried, so this might get a little wonky, but it's going to be high in value, and that's because we're going to be talking about today all the individuals that are struggling with Facebook, that are cursing Mark Zuckerberg, there's actually a solution and it's one that's been there all along and you just haven't been utilizing it, and that's Google. Um, and we're gonna and we really have honestly, possibly outside maybe someone that works high up in Google, the best person to talk to about making success. On Google with Kasim here today. So first, thank you for coming. Really excited to talk to you um, and everything you're doing, especially talk about this subject. But are you doing okay? Do you need anything? Should we just get some injections of um, I don't know B12, vitamin C, yeah, yeah. Vitamin C something like I, that? I
1: say we start doing some shots. Let's do drunk podcasting. That sounds great. Right? Where
0: is the? We do have um, the the mini fridge in true Vegas fashion. Should we? We'll see how it goes halfway yeah. through, and maybe Taylor could grab some tequila shots and we'll pound, pound it down. Yeah. Um, so. Well, Yeah, man. So obviously, you know, you know, and everyone knows that Facebook, through everything that's going on, all the increased CPMs, a lot of people really got fat and happy off the 2020 like, you know, pandemic CPM like bottomed out. Now it's, you know, 20, 30% higher for everybody in terms of cost. And it's left a lot of businesses just scrambling. Yep. Um, and so I hear it from clients all the time. I know companies that were built entirely off Facebook that have almost stopped their spend and they're, they're not sure what they're going to do next. Um, So um, what we are seeing, and just recently we had a conversation with uh, Zach Johnson with, um, you know, Hustle and Float, no, no, rich ad, ad, poor ad. See, this is where the brain starts to get scrambled. But he'd said they see a lot of spend, and they're actually seeing a ton of that from those Facebook individuals shift over into Google. Primarily GDN is what he was saying, but I wanted to ask you specifically. Is that the right move? Why is Google the best place? And, and is GDN really that one that they should be moving to if they're kind of trying to find a way to find success again outside of Facebook?
1: Yeah, so the, the cautionary tale I'll offer is if you're good with the hammer, you think everything's a nail. So you have yes. all these people that have minted money instead of Facebook. And the longer they've done that, the more successful they were for the longer period of time, the less likely they're going to be to change. So what's gonna happen is they're gonna take all their funnels, all their creative, all their offers, you know, everything that they know worked on Facebook and then they're gonna try to crowbar it into who knows where. And it doesn't matter what medium we're talking about. If you do that, you will fail. I don't care if it's Snapchat, TikTok, Google, direct mail, whatever. Facebook was a very specific medium and it was phenomenal, right? Like while it worked, it worked really well. Um, so I, the reason I wanted to start that way is because I don't want to beat up on Google Display Network and say, no, GDN won't work. What I do want to say is, GDN is not going to work if you use your Facebook paradigm. So taking like, you know, for instance, starts and stops, catastrophic, like f- game over, Google hates starts and stops and the Google Display Network specifically, think about the, the, the rate of change inside of the Google Display Network and, and the ebbs and the flows. Google is trying to maximize the value of their inventory. And anytime you have starts and stops, and I've seen this, we have 200 clients that we run Google Ads for. Anytime you have starts and stops, Google begins to deprioritize your ads. They say otherwise, but I, I have data that proves it. Um, so I, I'm not gonna tell you that GDN's a bad call, I think it's a great call, but you're gonna need a lot of time and a lot of money. You have to spend at least into the five figures to so spend 10 grand a month for six months at a minimum before you're gonna be able to optimize to a specific goal. And most of the people who are used to Facebook ads just heard that and went like, oh my goodness, I'm definitely not doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the patience to be like six to 12 months to you know, get ROI on
0: something, really get it moving, I mean, a lot of people have to just be terrified by something like that. Oh yeah. Now, now that being said though, like like you said, it's a really underutilized medium, like, and it can have great results. You just have to kind of change expectations and probably funnel a little bit as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. So, the, you know, the other thing about Google Display Network is Facebook was interrupter marketing, but it wasn't top of the funnel marketing because of how closely you could target your prospect. You know, Facebook's interest-based segmentation, I remember like at the peak, I could be like, give me a one-legged blonde nun who lives in Utah and watches I love Lucy. You know what I mean? And yeah. Facebook's like, here you go. Here's How did you them. know my grandma was on That's Facebook? Right. <laughs> I'm so surprised. <laughs> so you know, with Facebook, it's still top of the funnel, it's still in after marketing, but the qualification allowed you to. You really got to go sniper with it, um, and so the offer was was ultra relevant. Google has the ability. Google has 70 million demographic and psychographic profiling factors. Facebook has 55,000. Wow. So I'm not trying to play Google versus Facebook here, but Google is the far more um, reaching. I mean, the Google think of it. Google Analytics is on every every front facing website on the internet. Yeah. Google knows who is who's HIV positive, who's in Narcotics Anonymous, who's cheating on their spouse, um, who's looking for a job. Like Google knows all of these things. Google could let us segment the way that Facebook let us segment. But ask yourself this: How many times have this, has, has Google had to testify in front, front of Congress? Yeah. Facebook, they they showed their cards. And the reason that the big privacy look was at Facebook, Google has way more data, yeah. way more. Com- I mean, if Google is the Leviathan. We should be terrified of what Google knows, but Facebook gave people too much power and prowess. So Google has the ability to allow us to segment, but it doesn't give us that ability because again, it's run by attorneys and they're terrified of an antitrust suit. So what you have to do is trust Google from an algorithmic perspective to optimize on your behalf. So, Tell Google what your conversion action is. And this is where we're gonna get ultra ninja. Marketers want leads. Yep. Business people want sales. Mm-hmm. So the, the epic battle between marketing and sales is going to come to a head here because the marketer on your team is going to try to optimize Google Display Network for as many leads as they possibly can. The reason that's an error is because a fraction of those leads actually turn into sales. Mm-hmm. The way to, to run this, and this is counter to all the education, so just know that I'm dropping pro tips that <laughs> not everybody's gonna agree with. Um, only track the leads that are viable for you. I'll give you an example. I have a Google Ads agency, we want to run, uh, uh, we want to manage people's Google Ads campaigns. I can only take you if your spends above a certain threshold. When you go to my website and you uh, opt in to become a lead, if your spend falls below the threshold where you're a viable client for us, I don't count that as a lead in Google. And the reason I'm doing that is because the worst thing you can do is is give a machine learning algorithm a false positive. You don't want to tell this, you know, this this hunting dog that is Google, like, oh, hey, this lead came in, go get me more of those. So. The name of the game isn't CPL, and again, that's counter to the, the paradigm in Facebook. The name of the game is lifetime value of a customer. Figure out what who's actually converting, try to find the intrinsic qualification data points that allow you to identify who those customers are, and then pipe that information back into Google using Google's offline conversion. And over time, the machine learning in Google is, it's the closest thing to artificial intelligence humanity has Publicly like it's amazing, but you have to optimize on the front end properly And then also feed Google the information on the back end if you're willing to do all of those things then I think GDN could work for you But most marketers aren't
0: yeah, well I, like you said, it's it's I think it sounds it's not gratifying immediately, right? Like I one of the secrets of Facebook is the immediate gratification of going out in day one Feeling like you break even or make margin yep. on acquisition because it is so precise I go straight to the source I get them to convert awesome But what you just said I think sounds brilliant and amazing, but it's the idea of like, who are the most valued clients, not some look like audience, but I'm going to continue to say, let's optimize towards those perfect people and feed it into the super powerful data engine that we have to trust. is doing an amazing job with all these data points. It'll feed back exactly what you need, but you need time, right? Yep. You just have to have the patience um, and, and maybe fortitude <laughs> to go out and do that or experts that you're willing to, to trust for a period of time um, that could go do that for your business. So, um, well, first, that was amazing with GDN. Like, I, I, think that's, I, I could tell you there's a lot of people that have just kind of sworn that off as a traffic source because of what you exactly talked about, that six to 12 month window. But I hope they listen to this and go, damn, I'm kind of missing out. There's there's a real opportunity for me. So let me ask you, what's the spend? And we're going to move on to um, something else. But what's kind of the spend thresholds that you tell clients when you're working with them to get started on GDN? Like how much are they going to have to spend before they might know if it's going to be viable or, you know, things like that? Just giving me kind of an idea of if I want to budget,
1: what I need to budget for. Yeah, it. not knowing industry, geography, any of those things, um, I'd say 10 grand at a minimum. And that's, that's actually, it's a data-driven number. You need to be able to buy enough data for Google to begin making data-driven decisions. And a couple of notes. When I say it's going to take six months, it doesn't mean that like you throw 10 grand a month for six months in this black box. And then, you know, on on uh, day one of month seven, all of a sudden something happens. You should be seeing incremental improvement. But from month one to month two won't be as effective as month two to month three and and, and so on and so forth. And the reason for that is because we're looking at data-driven improvements over time. So you should see incremental improvements. You can do some mild targeting inside of GDN. Um, I, I don't recommend getting too aggressive there, but as long as you're, you're spending at least 10 grand a month, my hope would be that you're in a position to where you're not just spending enough to piss yourself off, but not enough for Google to optimize. And I see a lot of small businesses do that. You know, they're businesses with really viable offers um, in, a, in a great market. They just don't spend enough to reach critical mass.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, when you talk how many, how large it is, right? Well, I don't know if you shared, what were the statistics again about- Yeah, the
1: Google Display Network is the most prolific advertising mechanism on the planet. It reaches 90% of all internet users on earth, 65% of whom are reached on a daily basis. There is nothing that gets in front of people as consistently as the Google Display Network. That's a big matzo ball.
0: That, that, that takes some time. That's a big old matzo ball. So yeah, you know that makes a ton of sense when you're putting that investment. If you were doing five grand a month or eight grand a month, which would be something if you're a small business, I can understand. Hey, this really sucks. I'm putting eight grand a month, and I'm getting nothing out of it. Right. But it's just not enough to get it going. And you might even want to put more in that. Now, if you put more on a monthly spend, is that going to get results faster?
1: Yes, is, okay. there's a point of diminishing returns for sure. It depends on the industry that you're in too. It depends on how quickly Google can get down to who your uh, who your end consumer is. The more niche, the more specific, the better. Gotcha. You know, like if you're going after veterans with diabetes, like that. That's actually like two very specific you know, avatars and the Venn diagram there is is pretty narrow, but if, if it's everybody who drives, you know, yeah. now all of a sudden it's, it's basically the whole wide world again. So the more specific your avatar and the the the, the higher your front end convertibility, the more likely that Google's gonna be able to optimize for you early. And what, what I mean by that is, if you have like some really quick predictive indicators is what I call them, really quick wins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's an, it's interrupter marketing. So trying to go straight bottom of the funnel, schedule a consultation with me right now, Yeah. probably not super sharp. But if you can give them something that's really value driven that they can download and then, you know, that kind of gives Google like a, oh, hey, that person was interested in your offer that looks like, again, predictively, that mm-hmm. they're going to be a viable prospect for you. It allows them to optimize sooner and yeah. faster.
0: If you're asking way too much at the top of the funnel, right. like it's not going to get enough data to give you back what you need. Right. It's going to think you just really suck at marketing most likely. <laughs> and it's so like, well, let's just deprioritize this ad and not serve it up to anybody because it seems like no one likes it. Right. So I um, no, that that's great advice. Um, and. You know makes me want to go out and get more people on gdn so um that being said with the original question is the idea that people are on facebook it's not working for them anymore and they need to find somewhere else to go if gdn is not the answer google obviously is a very very big sphere of um, marketing opportunities as i'll call it where's the place that they maybe should should focus on what would you direct them to be their primary objective entering into this google world coming from facebook go to the
1: youtube Go to the youtube youtube is it's i mean it's such it's such an opportunity Um, Well, so i i mean i think a lot of people for oh youtube's great
0: and there's tons of stories of successful companies out there and speaking from my own experience you know as a director of marketing in the past like you could see it but i also found at the same time and i've talked to so many companies they they go in they spend the money and it seems like it just doesn't work out whether it's mm -hmm. creative whether it's not the right agency targeting I don't know, I feel like I meet more people that have failed on YouTube than have really succeeded, but the ones that succeed, it is a tremendous amount of success. So what are kind of some of the things that people need to know going into that to be successful?
1: Don't take your Facebook funnel and slap into YouTube. As a matter of fact, I think that- Damn it, that's I, all I wanted to that's do. all I would, Yeah, well that's all I I need to slap it do. somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna say something really annoying, and then I'm gonna get a bunch of blowback for it, but I'm gonna say it anyway and we'll see how well it goes. Uh, I think funnels are dead. I think, okay. and I know marketers love to kill things, um, and I don't mean that as a ubiquitous truth, but I think, you know, if you t- it takes 31 impressions before somebody's ready to, to, to make a purchase. Um, it takes 3.5 clicks and 4.5 pages before somebody's ready to, to, to convert. So what that speaks to is a multi-touch approach, and if all you have is one squeeze page where I have to do this one thing right now and otherwise, you know, I just feel like that's that's Beginning to depart as a model. And I actually think that people are starting to figure funnels out, quote unquote. If you ever use like Hot Jar, True Conversion, Lucky Orange, any of those things, what you'll notice is if you have a landing page that you drive traffic to, one of the things that I see people doing. Uh, and this is anecdotal, but we see it often, is they'll actually back out. So if you've got a subdomain, you know, like lp.yourdomain.com, yep. they'll kill the LP to go see what the, the root is. And if you're at, at you know, mywebsite.com forward slash landing page, they'll go back around to the homepage. My clients, you know, we have 200 clients, and the, the second most trafficked page across the vast majority of them is the About Us page. Hmm. People want to know mission, vision, values. They want to know who you are, what you're about, how long you've been in business. And YouTube is very middle of the funnel. YouTube prospects, uh, I call it, the, it's the Tinder of marketing. They're, they're not at the top of the funnel because they're there to learn like a YouTube yeah. user. The paradigm that a YouTube user has, has assumed, generally speaking, is learning, um, learning or entertainment. And so I think that the, the, the YouTube user needs to be treated a little bit differently. And if you just keep I'm not, you know, against squeeze pages is a ubiquitous truth. If you have a really good offer and it's, it's a knee jerk and, you know, it's an easy opt in, go ahead and use it. Yeah. But otherwise, I think putting people in front of media and content that helps brand you and build a relationship that the folks that win on YouTube are the ones that are building relationships and doing it over time. YouTube has something called sequences. And you can build these sequences to where you have to watch a video from column one in its entirety before you move to column two. And you have to watch a video from column two in its entirety before you move to column three. And and that's the paradigm that you have to assume. I'm not going to get you one and done in this ad. Instead, I'm going to nurture you over time through this amazing marketing mechanism called YouTube. And YouTube is effectively free if you think about the way they bill. As long as your video is over 30 seconds, you don't pay unless they watch 30 seconds of the video. So for every time somebody, you know, clicks skip or doesn't watch the entire thing, that's free branding. And you get to be in front of people for an extended period of time, but it's going to take that time. The other thing to think about with YouTube is you're paying for views, but optimizing off of clicks. Yeah. So unlike Facebook, where it was like, oh, they see my ad, they click. And then, you know, the the, the pay and the optimization event are the same events. YouTube, there's what there's one standard deviation between those two things. And it's going to, in many cases, especially because you're dealing with a slightly more educated consumer, it's going to take a little bit longer. So again, same mantra, don't use the Facebook template. Uh, Be willing to wait a little bit longer than you would have normally inside of Facebook. And the timeline there really just depends on your niche. Yeah. I mean, some niches are ultra easy to get in front of on YouTube because you can go straight to, I mean, you can put, I can tell YouTube, I want to target this specific video or this specific channel. Um, and then some of them are a little bit broader. We've had a lot of success. We've got a client, they spend seven figures a month. We have zero targeting, zero targeting. Well, they it's, let the algorithm do all that's, of it? So gotcha. it's, we, we target geographically because they can only sell their product to certain geographies. And then other than that, there's zero interest-based or demographic targeting and it's all based off of the conversion event. Now, the secret socks on the back end is what conversion event you're, you're optimizing and then giving information back to YouTube the same way I was talking about yeah. with GDN.
0: So real fast, we're, we're covering a ton of stuff yeah. here. Sorry, I wanna dude. circle back, no, no, I love it. It's like, boo. Um, so just one thing that I loved that you talked about is the idea of the sequencing video. And I think that's one area, especially with our audience, direct response people. They yep. are all about that impulse. They're all about that that sale in the funnel right then and there. And I think when you go into YouTube, what you just said is that is, a, unless you're in a specific niche, but for the most part, you're going to have a lot of frustration that first video is not going to get you That You really need to switch to the first video, the real true CTA and goal is the next video, right? Yep. And move them in the next part of the sequence. And then like it, so how many sequences do you have to go before you start really seeing the high ROAS? Because I've heard this, it's like at the bottom of the funnel, I think what they're really referencing. The sequences is where you could start getting ROAs that are like a two, three thousand percent, and the conversions get really crazy. But that's because they're watching like five of your videos over some course and period of time um, to get there. So, like, is that like how many do you normally are you normally optimizing for? Is that something that's still very niche specific and how broad you are?
1: Four, four. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wow, <that's> super. <laughs> <in that>. Four <laughs> is the magic number. Well, and here's why: because uh, your 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 column one is going to get the vast majority of the views, and then and then the number of people that move to column two dilute. And the number mm-hmm. of people that move to column three dilute. so i only ever build four pillars because by the time you get to the fourth pillar even if we need more touches to catalyze a sale which is more you know has more to do with the, the conversion path which is yeah. also something we analyze uh you don't have the audience in column four to really continue so what we're doing is we're we're split testing the message and the conversion path gotcha. um but it, and this is anecdotal too but generally speaking by column four we should be self-liquidating so we should be in a position of where the traffic is not paying for itself because if people are getting that far along that's a really good sign. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that you'll notice too is when you have the, the, the videos in column one, um, Google wants five videos per ad set. And okay. a, interestingly, that's what Facebook wanted too. So I feel like there's something there from a machine learning perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have five videos in column one, my recommendation to everybody is have the exact same freaking video, same offer, same everything, just change the intro. Gotcha. Because when you're split testing the media, if you had five disparate videos that were wildly different, even if one of them works really well, what sucks is you don't know what about that video worked. Yeah. So make sure that you're split testing the right thing. And sometimes it's the person speaking. Sometimes it's the way that you introduce yourself. um, Sometimes it's the way that you articulate the offer. Um, What I strongly recommend, and this is going to get real dicey, um, the highest performing. I love that. I <laughs> love
0: that you. It's dicey. We had first people are going to be pissed, and now it's dicey. This I'm going to get canceled. Get, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: the highest performing avatar across all industries and mediums is a 30 year old female Caucasian brunette who's attractive and smiling. That's my type. Yeah. So I understand. Well, that's so. We're, it's ageist. It's sexist. It's racist. But it works. Yeah. So and, and, and if you don't have immediate access to that avatar, what I would say, though, is test different people, mm-hmm. you know, like test a, a female if you have a male, test a pers- person of color if you have somebody's. like make sure that you can figure out what is appealing to your audience. Um, because YouTube is very visual, and it's very avatar-driven. Yeah. The um, same way as TikTok. TikTok's very avatar-driven, but like Facebook and Instagram tend to be like more message-driven, and it's okay mm. if we're, we're flashing back and forth. People are used to using YouTube in order to, to engage with thought leaders, and so the person you put in front of them, I think is uh, it's it's at least 10% more important than other social channels that we choose, and hopefully I just didn't offend everybody. No,
0: I, I would agree. Well, it's not offensive when it's reality, right? right. Like just in general, you know, so much of that, it's such a visual, intimate, Medium. I think that's one of the things people lose sight of with Facebook, which really isn't that personal, especially it's gotten bigger, Yeah. right? It's, it, I think some Facebook is just the
1: big newsstand. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you just think of all you scroll through, right? And hate scroll is really what you end up doing, but YouTube is not that way. We, you're t- investing your time to sit and watch and experience and share with somebody. I think TikTok's very similar too, yep. right? Like it's much more intimate than what you're getting out of Facebook. So that's where matching up those visuals and who you want to be intimate with? I feel like we're in a dating podcast all of a sudden, but but I mean that that plays a huge role now. Just when you said you're testing intros, are you talking like the first five seconds? Like how yeah, much? That's of the exactly lead? right. First yep, five, seconds. five seconds. Well, because okay. they have they have five or six seconds yep. to yep. decide yes. whether or
1: not they're going to skip. Yep. So you just and what I like to do too, and this gets ultra basic. We're going all the way back to <laughs> Dan Kennedy days, but uh, I like to call out my avatar. So like you know we have a, 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 a training for Shopify store owners because we teach mm-hmm. them how to run Google Ads. So I'll say, hey Shopify store owner. And then like that's how my intro begins. Nice, gotcha. And what's really interesting too is if I do zero targeting whatsoever, Google does a really good job at figuring out who the Shopify store owners are because the non Shopify store owners are like, that's not me at all, skip. skip. Yeah. Yeah, but if you get somebody who's running Shopify they're so much more likely to stick around. So Mm -hmm. if there's a way to call out your avatar immediately or to call out the pain that they're in, Mm -hmm. this gets a little bit dangerous, especially depending, you know, if you're talking about anything medical or financial. Yeah. Um, But if you're able to quickly identify, you know, like, gosh, if your computer keeps crashing, Like that type of really quick, like, oh my goodness, my computer does keep crashing. Yeah. Um, So instant identification with an avatar or with a pain point, I think those are where I would start with pillar one. And then the, the name of the game, and this isn't just YouTube, I feel like this is marketing. Love on them. Give. Mm -hmm. Give epic amounts of value. You know, every subsequent pillar you walk through, you should be arming them with information and giving more more than you'd expect in return. You have to give them information that they should expect to pay for from a consultative perspective. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to be... It's all about I feel like so much of marketing is a myth that people don't realize that the core of it is becoming a source of truth for a consumer, right? Mm, really I well want said, you dude. to that's become <laughs> I want you to become a source of truth for me. and and that's why, like I get all into this. That's why I think sometimes we miss a lot of marketing tactics from like, you know, politics and religion and cults, right? Because what they're doing is becoming a source of truth for somebody. But once you become that source of truth, you're gonna buy into whatever's said afterwards. That's the yep. ultimate form of trust. And so, you know, value is a big piece of that. Give people something they feel like they they owe you, right? And that, that you're the source of truth for. And now it's like, here's all my dollars. And then the other thing is then you just start building and becoming more sources of truth. And that's how you get more and more dollars and more and more value. So, um, no, no, you're, you're 100% right. It's all about that. That value piece to build the trust, become the source of truth, and then ultimately ask them to pull out that wallet and take the conversions. Yeah,
1: so. and I mean, honestly, if you do it well, you're not even asking. They're no, reaching yeah. out to you like they're hey, asking I, you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Can I buy something right. for me? <laughs> yeah. No, which is what I'm going to do at the end of this podcast because I'm enjoying it <laughs> so much. <I'm saying. laughs> um, yeah, so so anyway, so we go from, um, sorry, I got distracted by that. So we have obviously the first one, we're getting the attention and then the second band, what are you doing in that one with the second set of videos as you move in? It's just providing more values, information bases or kind of a, a fixed strategy for that or does that vary from client to client
1: varies from client to client i'll try not to be a fence-sitter though so one of the things i do like to do with pillar two is this is especially true if you if you have more leads if your funnel tapers too much i just hit the microphone that's okay if your funnel tapers too much what that tells me is we're getting a ton of people in your queue but not enough of them are qualified and this is that whole marketing thing where marketers want all the leads give me all the leads yeah and i feel like that's we need to somebody man there needs to be like a, a ticker tape parade or like we need to just all have a come to Jesus moment, and realize that we, we actually don't want all the leads. No. You know, uh,
0: I, and I'll just say, this is weird, cause we're gonna go into biz dev. We yeah. have struggled so much with that in our own business at ClickBank. Sure. Where it's like, you know, our marketing team's like, let's go out and get leads. And it's like, you have a bunch of leads that I don't want. Right, and so now, I don't wanna meet with any of these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, well, I, we now just have a bucket of wasted time is really what yeah. we've just captured. We've captured a bunch of stuff that's not usable, right? Like to me, it's it's no different than co- crazy couponers that are like, I just bought a pack pallet full of yakisoba noodles. You're like, well, I don't like yakisoba noodles, but they were great. I only paid ten cents for all of them. I was yeah. like, great. I don't know what you're gonna do with that because I don't want to eat any of those. So it's it's that whole thing that volume doesn't really translate to quality. So I 100% agree with you that yeah, don't get every lead, just get the right leads. Who do a, you well, and that's want
1: what I do about? with pillar two is I pre-qualify. Gotcha. So I'll say things like, you know, if you have. And then it's you know if you're a homeowner mm-hmm. or if you're whatever if you've been around for and 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 the pre-qualification is nice because talking about earning people's trust when you tell people when they're when they can't buy from you when they're not right you actually I think establish yourself as a, as a thought leader to a greater degree so you know uh, pillar number one could be um, avatar identification pillar number two could be uh, pre-qualification maybe that's if you have that tapered pillar or yeah. that tapered funnel that we talked about if you don't have the tapered funnel I go straight for key differentiator gotcha and that's value driven yep. You know, I had the highest performing real estate investment campaign on the planet for seven years. We sold that agency in 2019. Before we sold, we were in every single major MSA and I was crushing. It's it's the most competitive market except for maybe like You know, uh, personal injury attorneys. But one of the things that we would do is we'd come out and we'd educate people. Like, do you know what a sucker price is? A lot of cash buyers are going to offer you a price on your house, lock it up via contract, and then continue to extend the time until they wear you down. Our prices are real prices, and here's how we prove it. Have you asked for proof of funds? When you talk to a cash buyer, have they shown you that they actually have the liquidity to purchase the house, or are they just going to go flip your paper? Do you know what wholesaling is? A lot of cash buyers are going to try to paper your house up and then go sell it to another cash buyer who's actually going to do the fix. And, you know, I mean, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, like, you look at the homeowner, like, oh my goodness, I had no idea any of this was true. Mm-hmm. And we would lock houses up at higher prices because we just told them the truth and we were not there to screw a bunch of people. Yeah. So that's that. That's great pillar videos. If I know you wanna sell your house fast for cash, I've got every pro tip that I just mentioned, I think I mentioned three, each one of that could be its own pillar. Or I could put all of them into a pillar, see which one you like, mm-hmm. and then use that to intrinsically qualify the messaging that I push later. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I
0: think so many people miss on that because I love what you said there, but it's the idea of like, you could, Open up, right, and show people how the sausage is made and give them those tidbits. I don't know why people think that everyone's gonna become a sausage maker, right? right. Like, like I, I see it all the time, oftentimes it, it sounds stupid, but if like, oh, I'm gonna show someone how to cook. Like, hey, I go to this restaurant, they make amazing food, I'm gonna show you how to do like this amazing meal yourself. 90% of people are never gonna try that. Me. They don't have the skill. Yeah. yeah, you could show me all day and I'm like, that's really cool, I wanna go there and eat that now, because I know I can never do those things. Yeah. You start educating people where they could speak a little bit better, you know, something like, you know, with real estate and so on and so forth, but at the same time, you're also gonna show how complicated it is and and how many things are in there? And you're like, wow, I don't want any part of this. Can you guys, you seem like I trust you. Right. Can you just do this for me? Right? That's what most people are going to want to do. And you don't want the people to want to try to do it themselves anyway, because they're not a good lead. So if they're going to take the information and run away, great. They're God bless you. Yeah. Well, and then you help
1: somebody. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? That's like a karmic right. load on your yeah. yeah.
0: they might tell somebody else to go watch your videos, and now you have organic referral yep. traffic that way. So you know it's it's it makes ton of sense, but a lot of people get really caught up in the idea that people can't know how I do it, right? Open how the Komodo. If you yeah. don't, somebody will. Right? You know, one of
1: your competitors is gonna become yeah. the truth engine and then you're just like a me too company. Yeah,
0: exactly. They're just pointing out that you're a fake guru right. is what ultimately ends up happening. You're just one of those. So anyway, sorry. We're gonna get like so many off topics on yeah. this. But Tenants are good, dude. That means yeah. it's interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, so um, we're going there. So what's the third band and the fourth band on average then? <sighs> I don't know if I have an average. I'm sort of making this up as I go because it is it is so client dependent um, but I would treat it the way that you treat your sales conversation. So you know, you know, when somebody first comes in, they're really concerned, I have a Google Ads agency. So when somebody first comes in, more often than not, I'm their second call because we're expensive. Yeah. So you went with the cheap guy first, now you're, you're coming back around. And so now they wanna know, is this even possible? So I have a viability calculator. So maybe, you know, on video one is just pre-qualification, video two would then be my viability calculator. And then after that, the next stage in the conversation might be things like, how long should this take or how much should I spend? So think about the natural, there's a natural cadence to every conversation and it's 80% the same damn conversation. Script that conversation in video. You have five videos per pillar. So you get different at-bats, you get different, you know, tries in terms of how it is that you present it and then put that in your pillars. And what's cool about it is when the views stop, that's when you know you screwed up. And you mm. go back one pillar and you rebuild. Nice. So it's it's you're building this bridge as you cross it, and as soon as the lemming stop crossing the bridge, now it's a good opportunity for you to say, okay, you know, the, there was more dilution there than I think is the uh, and uh, acceptable, and I'm going to go rebuild this pillar with a different message.
0: Yeah, which is why it goes back to what you said before that you're paying for cl- you're paying for clicks, but you're optimizing on views. Paying for
1: views, optimizing on for oh, clicks. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. The- Flip that
0: around, yes. (laughs) As I screw up everything you said, but no, no.
1: (laughs) But it's it's a total change in paradigm. You know, we're not used to that, and that's the other thing too. Is I hate vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. I hate, hate, hate vanity metrics. YouTube one great big vanity metric. So you know, I I come from the world of like, I don't give me vanity metrics. Show me ROI, ROAS, TCPA, whatever. And with YouTube, you actually do have to pay attention to quite a bit of the vanity because that's it's a predictive indicator as to whether or not it's going to be commercially viable
0: yeah yeah okay so no that makes a ton of sense so unfortunately some vanity metrics you have to focus on but just in this medium so um going back to this i was super informative that was great information but Again, you still see a lot of people fail on YouTube. And I think that one makes a ton of sense. What are some of the other areas where you see people you know, really falling short? Is it in the actual like creative creation or is it more targeting? Like what's the common place where you see a lot of businesses go wrong and get frustrated when they're trying to get started on YouTube?
1: So the creative is one that I think is funny. And again, I'm going to just piss a bunch of people off. Dude, the creatives, don't go spend a hundred grand getting a video made. Because, you know, I mentioned earlier, you need five different versions of this video and 80% of those videos are going to fail right away. And then I need you to go pump out five more. And then I need you to pump out five more. And then, so you need to get really good at creating nimble on the fly. I mean, good media, but the good media just means that I can understand what you're saying and I can see you. Is the visual enough to where it doesn't look like it's recorded on a 1998 Nokia? And can I understand what you... But, you know, I mean, and and this isn't a bash against, like, there's some amazing, like, you know, the Harmon Brothers, or referral partners of ours. Phenomenal, phenomenal media creators. That's not really for paid media. That's to go viral, it's organic, it's for shares. If we're talking about paid specifically, your paid strategy needs to be diversity. And, uh, you know, pumping videos out. Far too often, people take their one video and build a whole campaign around it. Google is a machine learning mechanism. Machine learning means split testing. Split testing means I need a lot of them and I need more over time. And you know, the, the the creative agencies are so used to like, oh, this is our media and we, we did our our you know our trial or our focus group or whatever and people said they liked it and so now it's stuck. And yeah. for me, I'm like, I'm a data-driven marketer. I don't give a shit what you're, am I right? like you Chris here?
0: You can't, well, we yeah. already have, so yeah. we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I we'll don't, just we'll you know, take shots next time we that's do, right. it all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what your focus group says. Google isn't like this at all. So, so I think that's one really big um, issue is people not being able to, and and don't be afraid, like it can be organic, Mm -hmm. go watch any YouTube video of anybody ever. And you'll notice that it's usually just, you know, a dude or a dudette sitting at a table in front of a camera. That's fine. You can have organic media. Um, Movement is really good. Walking is really good. Like anything that kind of, you know, breaks the monotony of the the day. Stimulates. Yeah, stimulates. That's really well said. The other thing is make sure your offer doesn't suck you know like oh, yeah i'm really gonna make it hard dude me. it's unreal <laughs> how many people go to market and they're like oh yeah my campaign failed in my mind i'm like no your offer failed yeah <laughs> you know, like google did its job it put you in front of a relevant audience and, and what you're offering them just i mean nobody wants your white paper yeah nobody give them something that's really compelling my favorite the i don't know do you all know pedro adeo the challenge guy no uh, he's the world authority on challenges i'm pimping him out now because he's gotcha. my buddy okay good <laughs> but i do i mean like wicked wicked sharp cat and he's done very well um his whole challenge model is brilliant but it's brilliant because it's a brilliant offer and he'll say things like in seven days i will teach you how to do this thing for you know whatever seven dollars or for free mm-hmm. and it's, it's a very specific deliverable in a very specific timeline and I've seen it work you know, in these thousands of, of case studies, but it works for fitness, finance, business, like, and, but it's because it's a really compelling offer. And I'm not telling you to go run a challenge right now because that's actually, there's a ton of work involved there too. Yeah. But just make sure that it's something that somebody would expect to pay for. Yeah. And if they're paying for it, make sure that they'd expect to pay much, much more and build the value, build the value, like mm-hmm. let them know, hey, you're getting a lot here. Um, you want people to feel like they're stealing from you at
0: moments, yeah, right? Yes. You need to have. You need to be at an equity deficit with your first interaction with your consumers before you ever ask them to buy if Dude, you're, in an you're equity so good some bikes That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, I mean, that's that's very true, right? And I, that's why I love challenges, though, honestly, because you put something in there that's really simple to understand, it's all laid out for you, and you highlight an equity deficit for them saying yes today. Right. Um, so it's like it just removes all these objections in a way that feels fun, and you want to tell people that you're a part of it. Every Like the virility of challenges that we see over and over again, whether it's eating Tide Pods or slapping teachers <laughs> on the ass, like people want to be a part of something that's communal, and they also want to like, I don't know, there's something just exciting about it because it feels like I can't, right? Yeah. And so much of their life is probably predicated on I can't prior to them getting to you. So give them their first I can and you're already in an equity deficit it's really laid out. So yeah, I'm a big challenge fan. I think that's always a good way to go. So um, man, I, I lost track of what we were talking about there.
1: Why people fail on YouTube.
0: Oh yeah. Wait, so, Not spending um, enough. Going back to the creative side of things, just a big question. Here. So do you need to, because I had this earlier, does it need to be custom YouTube creative or can? can? Can you take, I have a bunch of video contents, I've been making organic videos, maybe it's for Facebook, maybe it's just for Instagram, whatever it might be, but I've been doing a bunch of videos, Um, can I just start cutting that up and putting it on YouTube, or do I? should you start from a basis of, no, I want you to create YouTube videos, and maybe you put them on other mediums, but really this needs to be just for YouTube.
1: No, I think YouTube, I, I saw your talk earlier, and I really respected when you said, hey, TikTok videos need to be TikTok videos. Don't yeah. go repurpose. YouTube's not quite like that. YouTube is repurposable as long as you're... YouTube isn't mashup. Like Facebook was very... You could put a commercial on Facebook. YouTube, people aren't really there to watch a commercial. They're where to imbi- imbibe information. So make yeah. sure that the soundbite, the value is there. Mm-hmm. But if you have that elsewhere, I think that you can, you can amalgamate content in YouTube. We've got clients, especially in the e-commerce space, they use video templates. There are these video template. I'd cite one if I could think of it. You can find them online really easily. They've got, you know, they're almost like After Effects templates, and you drop your product in there, and then they've got like, you know, it does it like a 360 revolve, and it mm-hmm. has all this animation and this fun little audio, and you can add a voiceover if you want to. That works great for ecom because yes. here's the product. Now, would it be better if a 30 year old female Caucasian brunette who's attractive <laughs> and smiling was using that product? Yeah. Yes, but if that's the closest you can get is that video template, that's fine. So here's your idea. You need to come up with like a network.
0: Of 30 year old right. Caucasian brunettes, right? And then it's just like, pick one. It's like, like pick every the. community college administrator ever. <laughs> right. Which is getting together like, we have a business opportunity right. for you. <laughs> um, okay. So, so that I think that's pretty amazing here. I know a lot of people, and I'll tell you again, just from my own personal experience, my understanding and agencies have told us before, and I think you hit the nail on the head, these creative agencies that it needs to be a big, high production video that's like going to cost realistically $50,000 to produce right. one video. And then it's like, we'll have other ones after that. But I remember the amount of time spending coming up with what felt like this mecha holy grail of videos, which is a marketer scared the living hell out of me because something that has to succeed on your first shot in marketing is a horrifying proposition, <laughs> right? And especially when you think of like focus groups, which I think are a total scam because that's who people aspire to the think they are not who they actually are right mm. we, we we spend and we click in the darkest corners and when we open our wallet no one's watching not when someone in a room is asking us questions i'm going to make all sorts of bullshit up about what i actually feel because i need a room full of other people to think that i'm cool right yeah. or you know group think all sorts of fallacies that could occur there so you know that's i just find that super refreshing so anyone out there that's struggling on youtube i imagine you've probably fallen victim to that before you need something big you spend a lot of money it fails and then you want to like you know to bird this and be like like, why did I ever do this in the first place? But it really needs to be nimble, agile, and, you know, focus on kind of what you talked about, but make it so you can do a lot of videos, because um, you're going to need a lot of learning. So I think that's just fantastic uh, information. So what else? What are some other things you see um, people failing on for, for YouTube
1: specifically? I'm not spending enough, not reaching critical mass. From a data perspective, you can start to see, like, there's the, the statistician's model of optimization is called the base 100 optimization rate. And that means that you need 100 impressions before you know whether or not your click-through rate, how to calculate that. Mm-hmm. And then you need 100 clicks to know whether or not your conversion rate and yep. so on and so forth. So if you're running YouTube ads way too often, especially people that are DIYers, stop two, three feet from gold. Mm-hmm. Right? So like they're, they're, they're running the ads and then they just get a bad feeling one day. And it's almost always moving into the weekend, by the way. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that is, but they they just feel like this isn't working and then they stop it. Well, the data you a haven't given Google the opportunity to see whether or not it's going to work and b you just reset the learning algorithm completely. Mm. So anything that you ran is now worthless. Yeah. And you have to start all over Um, set out and work to achieve a specific number. And that number is going to be hyper dependent on your business, your industry, whatever. But say, like, I'm not going to turn this off until we get to X. And and that generally is a certain number of clicks, right? Because gotcha. if I can drive a certain number of clicks to a landing page and then an event hasn't taken place, I feel really confident saying, all right, this was a failure. If you're on a micro micro budget, then maybe that's just a hundred clicks. Mm-hmm. If you have the money to spend, maybe it's a thousand. And now, you know, if you think about a thousand on a base 100 optimization rate, that's ten really solid data driven decisions. But spend enough to see whether or not it works. And this is the other thing that sucks. All the educators out there, the people trying to peddle YouTube ads, don't take anybody's advice unless they actually run ads for a living and have to be held accountable to the result. Yeah. So there are some educators and they're buddies of mine who have agencies that run YouTube ads and also sell education. Great, good for them. It's probably good advice. But the people that just sell education, they just want to sell you education. So this whole like you know, oh, you can run YouTube ads for five bucks a day. And I'm like, really? Prove it. Show me where, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and if I'll eat crow, man, I'd love to have that. I remember my buddy Dennis Yu has his old dollar a day Facebook ad strategy. That shit works. <laughs> and good for Dennis. I mean, he, he had it. I don't think it works anymore, but and maybe it does. He might correct me on that. But uh,
0: hey, inflation affects everyone. Now it's right. $10 a day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. No, I, I that I love the idea of setting a click goal. Because that was one of the things I think we would set, I know a lot of people, and they're going to tra- traffic channels, you send a spend goal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend 20K, and we'll see what the results are. But when you're doing machine learning, you need more time, right? And it's just a bigger process, and you need more information. You might not get 100 clicks, but you might spend that budget amount and where are you left with, right? Yeah. Just no no data and no money, right? That's not, that's yeah. not a good place to go. So, um, yeah, I love that idea of just... Target and optimize, like, let's set a goal for the clicks. And then, obviously, you can't spend everything if you can't get there right, but you know, adjust it down based on your budget. That makes a ton of sense. So, a uh, man, dude, like, you know, mind blown. So, we could probably continue to talk about this for forever, forever. but we want to be respectful of time. That's why I called you guys here, I'm holding you hostage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's he's still waiting for the shots. So that's why it's all it's no. just, <laughs> no. um, so understanding that you, lots of information you mentioned it earlier, you guys uh, want to work with you, obviously people that have a certain level of spend. I guess that really what I'm getting to is, how can people get a hold of you? What are the right type of clients you wanna work with? I don't know if you wanna mention those spend numbers on this podcast. How can they go out and find out if they could work with you? If they hear all this and like, I just wanna work with him. Or what are other ways that people could engage with you just to hear more, you know, um, ways that you could piss them off by saying offensive things, right? (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: that's my favorite thing to do. So I'm the co-host of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. So if you're, you know, into podcasts, and if you're listening, I imagine you are. um, Check me out there. I shoot a YouTube video every single day. Nice. And I give, I give away the form. So like, if you want to know how to do this stuff yourself and you don't want to pay some jerk off like me, go check out my YouTube channel because we're, we're not holding anything back. Just look for Solutions 8, the name of my agency, Solutions 8. If you can't find me, don't listen to anything I'm saying because I clearly <laughs> suck at life. And then if you actually do want to work with us, uh, I don't mind sharing spend thresholds at all. If a client isn't spending three to five grand a month, at a minimum, we can't take them. Gotcha. And it's not that you can't be successful on Google Ads, it's that I can't justify my fee. Mm-hmm. If you talk to 10 agencies today, I'm more expensive than six of them. So know that we're more expensive, but we're also the best. My average client spends 10 grand a month. Um, We have a handful of clients that are doing seven figures a month. Um, But for the most part, we stay in the small, nimble, you know, kind of ecosystem, which I prefer. It means that we actually know what we're doing. You know, it's easy to hide behind spend. But if I can make 10 grand a month work, then, you know, there's there's very little margin for error there.
0: Right. Well, then, because of what you're doing, if you try and applaud all your spend, is you're just good at convincing people to spend a lot of money, right. not necessarily making <laughs> people make a lot of money, right? Yeah. So, so I, I again, I think that if you're out there for agencies, you hear someone say like, hey, listen, 10 grand, right? And I'm gonna go make that matter for you. That's an agency I'd wanna work with because I hear a lot of people say, yeah, I have a lot of clients that spend a lot of money, but I don't hear them talk about all the, the money they make for clients, right? Yeah. And I've been in those situations. Cause I'm like, you're incentivized just for me to spend more um, and keeping me spending more for as long as possible, which normally is good performance, but not always. Right. So, um, especially when you know someone might tell you you need to wait a long time to get the information. So um, anyway, fantastic conversation today. This was just, possibly one of my favorites that we've had like ever. It's just a blast and really appreciate you taking time. Um, Everyone out there, please go back. Give this like two or three listens because there's so many amazing nuggets here. I'll try and recap it and listen to myself. But again, just thank you for your time. Everyone out there be safe. Go make some money and make some YouTube videos.
1: Yeah, take care y'all. Thanks for having me. Bye.